We're going to start a new series this morning. Uh, we are going to look at the book of Jonah. Christians often say, I just want to walk in God's will for me. So the question becomes, how are you doing walking in God's will? And the other question is, how do you even determine what God's will is? We first have to understand the will of God. And I'm just going to make it real simple. It actually has a lot more nuances to this, but God has a sovereign will, a will that he decrees. This will be done. And nothing can thwart God's will. God's will will be done. But God also has a permissive will. In other words, God will permit even certain things that he hates. But ultimately, it will all be used for God's glory. The reason God has a permissive will is because he's made us free agents. He's given us the ability to choose, and often we choose the wrong things. But in it all, knowing when you go through something, no, God wasn't pleased that that happened, but he has permitted it, but he is sovereign over all things. He's in charge, and he will bring it for our good and for his glory. That is something that we must understand. So, how do you respond when God tells you to do something you don't want to do? We, we, we all have times where reading in God's word or deep impression on our heart where God, by his Holy Spirit, is directing us to do something and we either obey or find ways to disobey. Sometimes through justification, sometimes acting hard of hearing, uh, sometimes just outright going against what God says. So that leads us into our introduction into Jonah. The, the sermon this morning is titled, I'm Out. And the series is titled, Saying No When He Says Go. So if you would, please turn in your Bibles to Jonah chapter 1. We're going to read through the whole chapter, and I'll be reading out of the CSB this morning, and I'd ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Jonah chapter 1 starting in verse 1, reads this way. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Atemai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because their evil has come up before me. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. But the Lord 
threw a great wind onto the sea. And such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up. Call on your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. Come on, the sailors said to each other, let's cast lots. Then we'll know who is to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots, and the lot singled out Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us who is to blame for this trouble we're in. What is your business? Where are you from? What is your country? And what people are you from? He answered them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were seized by a great fear, and they said to him, What have you done? The men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. So they said to him, what should we do to you so that the sea will calm down for us? For the sea was getting worse and worse. He answered them, pick me up and throw me into the sea that it will calm down for you. For I know that I am to blame for this great storm that is against you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. So they called out to the Lord, Please, Lord, don't let us perish because of this man's life, and don't charge us with innocent blood. For you, Lord, have done just as you pleased. Then they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. The men were seized with great fear of the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that every time we approach your word, we come with an expectation of being fed. That this story is not about Tarshish. This story is not about Jonah. This story is about God and who he is. Show us through this story, Lord, who you are. Help us to know how to apply it in our lives. We thank you that you are a good father and you supply our daily bread. So we look forward to the table that you have us seated at this day. And we ask that you would do a work in us and through us and for us. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Jonah is a, a very interesting book. And, and it should not be minimized as a child's story. 
Every single word in the Bible is true. God spoke the universe into existence. The serpent beguiled Eve. God flooded the earth. Jesus was born of a virgin. He performed every miracle recorded and those that weren't even recorded. He died on a cross. He was buried for three days and rose again. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for me and for you. And he's coming back for his church. All around us exists a cosmic war with angels and demons that you don't see, but it affects every single thing you do see, everything you see in the natural. Ephesians chapter 6 says, For our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. The supernatural is active all around us always. And God is still healing. God is still saving. God is and will always be sovereign over all. He is in control. And he is not subject to the natural laws that he set in motion for us. He operates independent of those laws. So when his book says the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, that's what it was. Let's consider what we can learn from this book. The first point that we want to look at is the condition of mankind. Mankind is blind. That's his first condition, blindness. Humanity functions as if there is no God seeing all that they do. As if there's not going to come a time when they have to give an account. The Lord said to Jonah, get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their evil has come up before me. Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. Assyria was greatly feared. They brutally punished those that they conquered. They put on display the, the, the skulls of those that they killed. People were extremely afraid of them. But if you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. And eventually they were conquered by Babylon. But just to think that God is watching them in their activity and they are unaware and just living whatever way they wanted to, like many of us. The Bible is clear about that. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a person sows, 
that he will also reap. Those that sow unto the flesh will reap destruction, and those that sow to the Spirit, eternal life. So, the first condition we see of humanity here is blindness. The second condition that we see in this text is the helplessness of humanity. It says that the Lord threw a great wind on the sea, and such a great storm arose that it threatened to break the ship apart. So these are seasoned sailors. They were merchants. They moved back and forth over the waters. They faced storms in the past. And, and we face storms and trials in our life. And, and, and our default position should always be immediately go to God. But we try to tackle what we think we can handle first, usually. Well, they found themselves in a situation that they could not handle. We all find ourselves in life with storms that we recognize, this is too big for me. There is nothing I have in my resources. There's nothing that I have in my intellect. There's not a friend that I can go to to save me out of this situation. The helplessness of humanity. And if you watch what they did, they tried every single effort to do what they thought would get them out of the situation. One of the, one of the things they did was they took all the cargo and they threw it overboard. This, this wasn't um, a cruise line where, where they made the majority of their money by transporting people. No, that cargo meant the purpose of that mission was already lost. That money was gone. Um, watch who you let into your life. Because you can lose some valuable stuff. Now, they had no way of knowing who Jonah was. But there are times we allow people into our life. Warning signs are going up all over the place, and we still invite them in. And, and we can take loss. Forget the cargo, they almost lost their lives. But the helplessness of humanity, they tried everything. They threw the cargo overboard. They started to cry out to their gods. They... Once they found out Jonah was the problem, they tried with all their might to row back to shore, and the storm kept getting worse. There is a blindness that humanity has. There is a helplessness that humanity has. There are storms in life you cannot rescue yourself from. It can only be done through divine intervention. But you know what those sailors had to find out? That there was only one true God. See, they cried out to their gods to no avail. 
And, and, and then when they found Jonah, they said, cry out to your God. Maybe he can rescue us. They had to come to full submission that you can only go to the one true God for true rescue. It's funny because the same thing that God told Jonah, the captain of the ship told Jonah. <laughs> he said, get up. And in some translations where it says that he was sleeping here, the captain of the ship called him, you sleeper. It's funny because the only other story I can recall off the top of my head where there was a storm raging and someone was sleeping in the vessel and not worried about it was Jesus. He, 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 he wasn't concerned because he knew he was in control of the winds and the sea. But, but Jonah was unaware or didn't care that his life was at risk. You know, it is um, one thing to be in a storm on land. It's another thing to be in a storm on the sea. I, I don't know if you've ever been on a fishing boat and a storm arose, a little storm. People are getting seasick, throwing up, everything. Uh, it is no joke. It is one thing to be caught in a storm. It's another thing to be the one that caused the storm because of your actions. It, it, is, it is one thing not to check the weather before you leave. It's another thing to ignore the weather. Jonah did all of those things. But as I preached the message two weeks ago, correction brings redirection. God's pursuit for you is grace. Jonah was saying to God, leave me alone. Thank God we've said that at times. And God refused to do that. Jonah thought, it says that he bought a ticket. Jonah thought his resources could provide escape from the Lord's presence. We do that in many different ways. We try to occupy our minds with everything else. I don't care what luxuries you can afford yourself. You cannot escape from the Lord's presence. You, 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 you could have relationships with other people. You could have the nicest home, the best destination, things that keep you occupied. I remember when I didn't want to face who I was, the main thing I would do is try to distract myself in every way possible not to look inward through activity, through a one event after the other because the minute I was left alone with me, 
and God was dealing with me, I wanted to escape that. And Jonah was on the run. You know, what did he think he was going to be able to do when he abandoned his call? What was he going to do once he got to Tarshish? Live happily ever after? That wasn't going to work. When you're in God's army, either you're going to be a deserter or you're going to be on duty. It's, it's, it's one of the other. There aren't Christians that just sit, sit and stay idle. No, God has called each and every single Christian to duty. It is him not so much trying to, to run away from the Lord, because he knew the Lord. He knew he could not get away. Matter of fact, he left because he knew he could not stand there and be idle, so he had to go. He was trying to escape from his prophetic office, what God had called him to do. So the question I asked was, what do you do when God calls you to do something you don't want to do? You know, um, there was a statement made, um, and it said, I slept and dreamed life was beautiful. I woke up and I found that life is duty. Life is duty. There are things we must do. But when we're walking in step with the Lord, it can be beautiful as well. There has not been a more exciting time in my life than being a believer. The, the places God has called me to go, what I've seen, the interactions I've had, and I was a thrill seeker in my life. I was on motorcycles, and I've been hang gliding, and all different things to, to seek one thrill after another. And my wife used to say, you're killing me. Why? Why are you doing this stuff? But the Christian life, the duty that God gives us, the purposes that he calls us to as we walk them out, part of the issue is, we don't know what's good for us, and we believe that God is the creator, and then we live as if the creator doesn't know exactly what he created us for. If you operate in who he's called you to be, you're going to be more joyous, you're going to have more satisfaction than in anything else. Jonah found himself in this predicament because he justified in his mind, not those people. He, he, he was God's prophet. So, not only do we recognize Jonah's condition where he would not Follow what the Lord had told him to do. Starts out with the condition of man being blind. Then the condition 
of man being helpless. And with Jonah, a believer, it's the condition of man being stubborn and running away from the Lord. It, it says that a great wind was on the sea, and he's sleeping. They take him out of his slumber, and they say, who are you? And when he starts to expose who he was, they got afraid. They, they recognized he was the issue. This is the crazy part of the story. He says to them, throw me overboard and everything will be fine. Why you got to include me in your mess? Because they were like, God, don't let this man's innocent blood be on our hands. Listen, bro, jump overboard. Why are you asking me to throw you overboard? Now I got to wonder if I got beef with God now. Jonah was stubborn. I'm wondering if he was in that fish for three days, because it took three days for him to finally submit. So first in this story, we see the condition of humanity. The next thing we see in this story is the sovereignty of God. We, see, we will see that throughout the book of Jonah, the power the plans that we cannot escape. Jonah could not escape this. What are you running from in your life? And what are you running to? And who are you running with? You cannot outrun God. And when you run from God, you got nowhere to go but down. Every part of the way, it says as that God called them and Jonah ran and he went down to Joppa. Then he went down into the ship and then he went down into the bottom of the ship and then he went down into the sea. You run from God, you're going down. Jonah was trying to fight against God, and God is sovereign. You know, when we speak of God's sovereignty, him being in control of all things, that should give us great peace. That not only is God sovereign, but the last point here is God is merciful. God is merciful. He shows his mercy in his word. He shows his mercy in his presence with us. He shows his mercy when we look at the history that we have with him. He showed mercy to Jonah. He, he could have just have Jonah thrown 
overboard and not to provide an escape for Jonah. He showed mercy to those sailors, even in Jonah's disobedience. The text tells us that the sailors, once the storm stopped, that they made an offering to the Lord and they started to cry out to him, that they became aware of who the one true God is. And then we see God's mercy for Nineveh, for the Assyrians, that God would even call a prophet to go and to correct their ways, to speak to them. So when we consider the place that humanity finds themselves in, but then the sovereignty of God, and then the mercy of God, and think about my life, your life, and how those have been displayed. Jonah turned to his own ways, like we have done. God pursued him and showed Jonah his power and his compassion and provides the most unlikely shelter for Jonah. To lead Jonah back to where God had called him to be. To put Jonah back in God's will and to work on Jonah's heart at the same time. It says that the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The fish was Jonah's safe place. The other option was the sea. In that fish, it had to be dark. In that fish, it had to be lonely. But that's where... Jonah was going to course correct and change his actions. When we run from the Lord, we're running away from our own good. When we're running from the Lord, we're running from God's mercy and God's blessings. Stop running. What are you running from? There's only one we can run to. And as this story unfolds and we see time and time again the stubbornness of Jonah, we will be able to relate in so many ways. And it should remind us of God's sovereign hand, but it should remind us of God's mercy how good he has been to us, how long-suffering, how patient he has been. Jonah, Jonah knew the Lord. When they asked him, who are you and what is your business? He, he, he gave an explanation of who he was. And we, as believers, often find ourselves in the same place. It would be a terrible thing if God was sovereign and not merciful and not kind and not gracious 
In other words, he is in control of everything. Imagine if you had like a cat, nine lives. That's not true, but you know they say that. We would have been gone so long ago. You get nine chances. Oh, the mercy and goodness of God. Imagine if God wasn't gracious. Because mercy is receiving those things, not receiving what you deserve. You deserve. I deserve. Death. Hell. We've rebelled against a holy God. Uh, imagine, though, if you received a level of mercy, but you didn't receive God's grace. Those gifts that he gives you because you're in his favor. And what that means for each and every one of us. Just think about the kindness of God. How he is patient with us. How even within our own free will, things that, we would, that would be destroying us, often he doesn't let us full, feel the full weight of what that would be. I would tell my kids when they were younger, listen, do whatever you want. Think about the worst consequence that could happen from your actions, and if you're still okay with it, go for it. God rarely gives us the worst consequence of our actions. He's so patient and so kind. We're going to have communion at this time. I would ask the worship team to come up and the ushers to get ready. When Jesus was being asked by those around him, show us a sign. Jesus said, you're not going to see a sign other than for as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. First John tells us that which we have seen and heard, we proclaimed also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, your fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, that we could have fellowship with the Lord. That... that even us having fellowship with one another as brothers and sisters and able to gather around the Lord's table to remember all oh, the goodness of God. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. It is good to come to the Lord's table. The Lord's table is for the believer. It's for those that put their trust in Jesus Christ. It's a time for family. So if you have not accepted the Lord as your Savior, I'd ask you to refrain 
from communion. And maybe by the end of this service, we can pray together and you accept the Lord because each one of us have found ourselves in the belly of the fish. Well, it was dark and we were alone and we had to come to a place to recognize, God, I need you. Just like those helpless sailors, just like the wickedness that was going on in Nineveh. But it's very important that we examine ourselves. You may be a believer and have struggles. That's okay. God's children have struggles. But before we take communion, the team is going to sing a song. And I want you to just spend some reflective time with the Lord. Pray. Ask for forgiveness. Seek his face. Enjoy his presence. Think about what his body being broken and his blood being spilt means for each and every one of us. Because the Bible tells us to do this with a sober mind. Scripture says, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. In this way, let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many are sick and ill among you, and many have fallen asleep. This is a beautiful time to be with the Lord, but it's something we need to be sober about. Let's spend a couple of minutes in reflection. The ushers will guide the rows, and you come up as they do. I ask the leaders to come forward, to, and they will direct each row and take your elements, go back to your seat, and I'll come back up, and we will take communion together.